In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the month of Beba, and we read in the Gospel uh, the story of Christ calling St. Peter and the other fishermen who were there to be apostles uh, after he allowed them to have this miraculous catch of fish. And we read in Luke 5, saying, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So these men, St. Peter and the others, they allowed themselves to do something that didn't really make much sense to them by going out into the deep. And even though they were experienced fishermen and they had worked all night and caught nothing, and yet when Christ came, they were willing, even though they were extremely exhausted, instead of going home and resting, they were willing to go out again because they trusted in him and they believed that he could do what he was saying. And this was actually turned out to be like a moment of transformation in, our, in their lives, like a turning point. Like while before this, they were simply fishermen and they could, could foresee themselves living as fishermen for the rest of their lives. And yet now, this transforming moment, they completely changed the course of their life. And instead of being fishermen, now they became fishers of men, as he told them. So we see actually in the lives of many people in Scripture, uh, this transforming moment. And this transforming moment is important for us to kind of study and to look at and see how God transforms us, maybe in our own lives as well. So how are some ways that we are transformed by God? One way that we are transformed by God is after experiencing a great blessing, which is what St. Peter experienced here. Um, after St. Peter saw the miraculous catch of fish that Christ allowed him to catch, you know, Christ's whole purpose was not to allow him to catch fish. Christ's purpose was to get his attention so that then he would follow him. We read in verse 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So when, when Peter saw the power of God, he himself was rebuked. He, he looked at himself. He says, I am not worthy of this gift that you have given me. And not did he turn to Christ because he was like someone who could help him with his, you know, with his work or that he could bless him by giving him more money or giving him more. You know, he didn't, he didn't think to himself, now that I have Jesus with me, with me, now I can like be better, a better fisherman and I can beat all the competition of fishermen because now he can provide for me everything that I want, right? He didn't think this way. Instead, he thought, what? I am a sinful man, right? He said this about himself. Depart from me, I am a sinful man. He did not feel worthy to be in the presence of God. And truly, this was a transforming moment for him because he looked at himself differently than he looked at himself before. And so sometimes God, he gets our attention and he begins this process of transformation in our lives after he allows us to experience something great, like a great blessing that God gives us, that we realize that God is the one who is working. And maybe we have experienced different situations in our lives where things kind of are, God does them in a certain way, where we, are, where we see clearly that God is the one who is working, and that there is no way that these could be coincidences, there is no way that the events that are happening could be just normal, natural events. But instead we know for a fact that God is blessing us and giving us good things. And then our response should be, yes, I deserve this. You know, our response should not be that, you know, this is what I am entitled to. But instead, like St. Peter, we, we like turn to God and we say, I am sinful. You know, I am sinful. I do not deserve this. God is blessing us because of his goodness. And when we begin to experience God's goodness in this way, God's love, this can be a first step of transformation. 
You know, sometimes we think about God as being one who he will only bless those who are good. You know, he's only going to give good to those who are good. Like he's waiting for us to be good first. And then once we are good, then he will respond with being good. And if we are not good, then he will not bless us and he will not give us. Actually, that's false, right? Because how is it that he even came to be incarnate to die for our sins? He didn't come at a time when we were good. He came at a time when we were very bad. Right? So, so the idea that God wants to get our attention, God wants us to go through this process of transformation, one of the ways he does so is by blessing us. Another way that he allows us to be transformed in this moment of transformation is by experiencing his grace. Um, when we pray in the ninth hour in the litanies, we say, when I taste of your benevolences, I offer you praise without lukewarmness. I offer you praise without lukewarmness. When we see God's kindness, his goodwill, his mercy toward us, right, it should like stir in us these feelings of love and warmth toward God so that instead of being lukewarm, you know, instead of being kind of cold and distant from God, instead of feeling like everything that we do in our spiritual life is difficult and it's a chore and it's something that we're forcing ourselves to do, when we begin to comprehend and understand the grace that God has given us, his, his goodness toward us, then it begins to change us, toward our attitude toward him. That instead of doing things simply because of obligation, out of duty, out of necessity, because we have to, because we know that this is the right thing to do, it starts to become joyful, right? It starts to become joyful as a relationship between two people who love each other. Right? Zacchaeus's experience with God, if we meditate on his experience, okay, God chose him, right? Zacchaeus was simply, he climbed up a tree because he wanted to see Christ, but he did not go after him and asking him to come and dine in his house. Christ is the one who saw him and said, today I will dine with you, right? Today I will dine with you. I will, I will come to you, right? And, and, and simply being there in his house caused Zacchaeus to repent, we don't read that when, when Jesus went into Zacchaeus' house that he gave him a long sermon, but simply by the, his presence with him in the house caused him to be convicted of his sin and to change and to say what? That I will restore fourfold for everything that I have stolen from anyone, right? So, you know, sometimes the, the, when, when we feel like we are dry in our spiritual life, when we feel like our spiritual life is kind of faltering, when we feel like exhausted or not really energetic or motivated, we should meditate on the benevolences of God. Meditate on His grace. Meditate on His love. Meditate on all the things that He is doing for us, His desire to be with us, how much He is working in our lives. And this should help us to learn to praise Him without lukewarmness, to, to begin to feel like the, 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 the zeal and the passion for him, the wanting to, to go after him, wanting to serve him, wanting to serve his people, wanting to be obedient to him, wanting to submit to his will, because we see all of the gifts and all of the grace that he has given us. And this can be a transforming moment when we realize, really, what is it that God has given. Another transforming moment is when we are confronted with our faults. God, he confronted Saul who became St. Paul, he confronted Saul with his faults, his persecution of Christians. And he spoke to him and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And he was very direct. Imagine that you are walking somewhere and suddenly you hear the voice of God confronting you and accusing you of your sins. Right? It would be very frightening, extremely frightening for something like this to happen. That we feel exposed, that we feel like God is seeing and knows 
everything that we're doing. And, and, and especially in the case of Saul, he actually thought that what he was doing was right. Saul, Saul did not believe that he was sinning. Saul, Saul believed that he was defending God, that he was defending the faith, the Jewish faith, by going and killing the Christians. And yet, here when he hears the voice of Christ speaking to him, he is shaken. And then he, he responds very well. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Right? Like he, he acknowledged immediately that this was the voice of God speaking to him. And he was willing to put aside everything that he had, had done and was doing and believed was right because he wanted to serve the Lord. Right? He wasn't attached to his old way. He wasn't attached. He wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to do what God's will was. And so that's why he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so Saul experienced this idea that God... Um, confronted him with the wrong path that he had living, he was living, and when he realized it, he was willing co to completely change, right? And this is a transforming moment because he was never the same again. Even his name changed, right? He was never the same. He never continued on the path he was on after he had this experience with God. And so we ask ourselves, like, sometimes God, he makes us aware that we are walking the wrong path. I'm, I, I, I've chosen the wrong path. I've chosen a path that leads me to destruction, a path that leads me away from God and not a path that leads me toward God. Maybe in our own minds, when we chose this path, we believed that it was the right path. We believed that it was a good path. And we began walking on this path. But the wise person is the one who doesn't become so attached to this path that we have chosen to believe that it can never be changed. And that God, if he comes to us and he says, this is the wrong path that you're walking, you should change, you should walk a different direction. Right? And this was a transforming moment for him because for the rest of his life, he left behind this old way and he began to walk a new way. So when we are confronted with our error, when we are confronted with our wrong decisions, with our wrong choices, right? how do we respond? And this can be a beginning of transformation, that God w uses us and transforms us and changes us to begin to walk a new path that he has chosen for us. Another transforming moment in our life comes from meditating on the Word of God. At the time of Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah, he, he returned from the exile in order to go back to Jerusalem to build the walls of Jerusalem. And so all of the, the, the Hebrew culture had been disrupted and destroyed. And all of that generation who had lived there, that didn't grow up in Israel, they didn't know anything about the laws of God, they didn't know anything about the offering of sacrifices or the fast or the feasts or any of the customs or anything that God had commanded Israel to do throughout all of their history. Right? All of that was lost. They had no idea what is it that they should do. Okay? So when they were in Israel, Ezra the scribe, he began to read the law out loud to the people. And this was the first time that they had ever heard the law before. Okay, so it says in verse 9, For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. You know, why is it that they would weep when they hear the word of God? They realized that the way that they were living, they realized like the things that they were doing was completely contrary to what God had commanded them to do. That all of these commands that God has given, they were not keeping them. And they didn't even know them, right? And this caused them to feel sorrowful. Like they felt convicted. They were not putting God's law into practice. And they had no, no desire for them. They didn't even know these things existed. So it was a wake-up call for them to start walking in a new direction, right? It was a transforming moment to realize for the first time, this is what God has commanded. This is what is the truth. 
And sometimes people walk in darkness and blindness their entire life, not knowing the truth, right? And sometimes we refuse to hear the truth, and we don't want to hear the truth, and we convince ourselves that the way we are walking is the truth. But when we hear the word of God, when we hear the truth of God, okay, this should be a transforming moment. God is calling us to live differently. And oftentimes the truth is difficult for us to hear. You know, like when we tell our kids, for instance, even though you are living amongst a lot of other kids that are your same age, that look like you and they talk like you and everything about them is similar to you, but you are called to live differently than they are, right? You are called to live a different life. There are certain things that they do that you should not do. There are certain things that they say that you should not say. There is certain life that you are called to live that, that they do not live and that they, you have to go and be in their midst and see that they are doing and saying and living in the way that you are called not to live. It's like at all times you see before you this, this options of sin, right? That, that you are called not to live, right? This is, this is a transforming moment. It can be a transforming moment, right? Someone who realizes that God has called us as believers to a different path of life, right? This is, this is, this is a decision that we make in order to begin to walk in a different path, right? We are transformed when we read the Word of God because we realize and understand the direction God wants us to go. We realize our purpose. We realize our identity. We realize who we are. And when we realize who we are as believers, then our life takes on a different kind of meaning because now I realize that I have a reason for living. I have a reason to be here beyond simply making money and enjoying my time. Right? I have something that I should be doing, something that God wants me to do, and this new life directs me. Right? This new life transforms me that I need to live and change in order to, uh, to conform myself to the Word of God that I now understand. Another transforming moment comes when we accept rebuke okay, for a sin that we committed. King David gives us a good example of this after he uh, had sinned by taking Bathsheba's, uh, taking Bathsheba as his wife and killing her, her husband. Right? God sends Nathan the prophet to rebuke him. And we read this, uh, King David's response in 2 Samuel 12. Like after Nathan the prophet comes and he tells him the story of rebuke, to make King David realize that God was, is rebuking him for everything that he has done with Bathsheba, uh, King David responds and he says, I have sinned against the Lord, right? And this moment was a transforming moment. Maybe we believe that we could never be caught up in a kind of a sin as King David. Maybe when we ask ourselves, do we think that we would ever commit adultery and murder, our first instinct would be to say, no, there's no way that this could ever happen to me. This happens to other people. Right? This happens to the wicked people. This happens to people who are sinful people. This happens to people that don't go to church or don't read the Bible or don't pray. Or you know, it, 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 I couldn't imagine right, that maybe this is happening to me. But this is the king. right? This is the highest person in all of the kingdom. This is the one who was anointed by Samuel the prophet. This is the one who was chosen by God to be the king. This is the one whom God had placed on such a high pedestal to say that David is a man after my own heart. And this is the person, this is the person who sinned, right? This is the person who sinned. And so this was a transforming moment in, in the life of King David, okay? When we are rebuked by God, when we fall into a big sin, maybe we realize for the first time the depth of our weakness, right? The depth of our weakness. It's easy for us to judge others who are doing wrong, right? Because we consider ourselves to be above them. 
We consider ourselves not to be like them. They have some kind of fault, some kind of flaw, some kind of defect in them that causes them to do and to say what it is that they are doing and saying. But I am above this. I don't have such a defect, right? But it's only when we really see the depth of our weakness, the depth of our sin, the depth of, of the things that we are doing, right, that begins to make us to, to, to look at life in a different way and to understand God's mercy in a different way. It's easy to speak about God's mercy when we feel like we are doing everything right, okay? But someone who truly has experienced the depth of, of mistakes and wrongdoing really can understand what does it mean for God to be merciful, that we do not deserve anything good from God. It reminds us of the parable of the, the wicked servant whose master forgave him 10,000 talents, right? In this parable, this king, he, this servant owes him 10,000 talents and the king forgives him, okay? This 10,000 talents represents what? A debt that can never be paid because 10,000 talents is like more than a lifetime's worth of wages, right? So this servant, by him owing 10,000 talents, it means there is no way he could ever pay this debt and there is nothing he could do to pay it. So when the king forgives him the debt, he has an appreciation for what that means, right? He has an appreci appreciation because there is no way I could pay it. If we look at the debt that we owe as being 10,000 talents, as being something far, far greater, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars, if you want to look at it in modern terms. Someone comes to you and says, pay me tri trillions of dollars. There's not even anything I could begin to do to begin to pay that, right? And then God comes and says, what? I forgive you the debt. You don't have to pay anything, right? This is what God has done. But if I look at my own debt as being just a couple dollars instead of being trillions of dollars, then I don't really feel the magnitude of the weight of sin that what is it that God really has done for me? This is why it's so important for us to understand what is it that God has done? What is it that God is forgiving? And here, what is it that God has forgiven for King David? This again is a transformative moment when we realize the depth of God's mercy on us. The sixth uh, transforming moment that we'll speak about is understanding that sin causes suffering, that our sin causes suffering. A good example of this is the prodigal son. Prodigal son, after he left his father and he wasted all the money that he had, we read in Luke 15, says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. Many parents have the experience of trying to teach their children like important uh, lessons in the world, trying to protect them from mistakes, trying to give them guidance and advice. And we've all experienced what it means for our kids not to accept such advice. And we, we give them the advice because we have experienced the world and we understand the world. And maybe we ourselves have experienced the exact same thing that the kids are going through now. And so then when they ignore the advice, they have to suffer the consequences of their poor choices. And so here, this man, this prodigal son, having ignored the advice, having disobeyed his father, having acted selfishly, having acted in a very wasteful and self-indulgent way, he begins to reap the consequences of his own poor choices. And he realizes the kind of suffering that, can, that he can experience. Someone who... Um, maybe has never experienced the suffering of sin, the consequences of sin, doesn't understand how dangerous sin is. Someone who maybe is um, flirting with the idea of taking drugs, for instance, right, doesn't understand the real destructive consequences that can happen to a person who becomes addicted to drugs. 
right? The same is true with any kind of sin. When we become addicted to sin, when we become attracted to sin and give into it until it becomes a habit, it is very destructive and it can begin to change us and affect our relationships, affect our relationship with God, affect who we are as people. So this was a transformative moment <coughs> in the life of this man, this prodigal son, because for the first time he really tasted the, the magnitude of his own poor choices. And so for us as well, sometimes it takes that we make poor choices and we mess up and we're at a low point in our life for us to be able to then, for the first time, begin to see God clearly, to understand our need for God. Prior to this, I felt like I was in control. I felt like everything was fine. I felt like I, could, I was in control of myself. I can make whatever choices I want. But it's only when we reach this low point, perhaps, that we reach this point that we begin to, to see things differently and that God can use this as a moment of transformation. <coughs> the seventh uh, transformative moment can come when we experience God's healing, right? When, when we, we experience God healing us of some ailment. In, 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 verse, uh, in, in John 9.38, we read uh, the story of the man who was born blind. And then at the end of the story, when the Lord is speaking with the man, the man says to him, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Right? How is it that he was taken from this point where he never knew Christ and he didn't know that he was the Lord to the point where he is saying, I believe, and, and began to worship him? It was through the suffering he experienced and the healing that he experienced. He began to see that Christ was a healer, right? that he could do something that no one else could do. And after this experience, this man goes and he rebukes the Pharisees. He becomes an apologist for the Lord. He becomes a faithful person, an evangelist. And he, he didn't even care that he was being cast out of the synagogue because of his, his deep faith that he had in the Lord and what the Lord did for him. So when we experience like God's healing power, and it doesn't have to be a physical healing. It could be a sense of joy, a sense of peace, a sense of comfort that God offers to us. Maybe many of us have experienced like low points and feelings of depression and sadness and loneliness and um, you know addiction and whatever other negative emotions that we might experience in the world. And we, maybe we've also experienced like when we feel like God has touched us, like we feel like moments of God's mercy, moments of God's peace that rest on us. When we, when, we, when we experience like God's presence and suddenly like all the dark clouds that we feel like we are experiencing, they suddenly go away. And we feel in those moments joy and comfort and hope for a better future and hope of eternal life and that we can feel like we can endure the sufferings of the world because we have faith and trust in the Lord. These moments of God's healing and God's kind of opening our eyes to um, who he is and what is important in life and that his presence is confirmed in our lives, these moments can be very transformative. When we begin to want to change directions, I want to live and experience this. I want to experience God's presence because just living in the world, just experiencing only the world is destructive and painful and there's nothing good in it. You know, as much as we try to seek after the good things in the world, the world is corrupted. And, and whatever the world can offer is very limited and oftentimes can actually harm us. So when we experience God's healing, it, it helps us to, to, to change our ways, to change our life, to change our direction, because we see things in a different way. The last point I want to mention is 
being humbled as being a transformative moment. We see this in the book of Job. Um, Job, we know he experienced almost every kind of suffering that a person can experience. Um, and by the end of this, Job is still trying to understand why is it that God has allowed this to him? Why is it that God has made him to suffer? And even though God, Job was without sin, and yet Job was also very self-righteous, and he believed himself to not have done anything wrong to deserve any of the punishment or any of these um, sufferings that God has allowed. And so um, after many, many chapters of Job speaking about how he was innocent and he did nothing wrong, God begins to question Job. And the kinds of questions that God asks Job are questions that no human being can answer. He tells him, where were you when I created the foundations of the earth? Like, you're speaking as though you have knowledge and understanding. You're speaking as though you know for a fact that you are without sin. But how do you know that? Like, what is it that you really know about the world? What is it that you really know about yourself? And so in that whole, like, um, conversation, God makes Job to feel very, very small. Like, you, who are you to be speaking in this lofty way that you are speaking? And then by the end, Job says, Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Like, he was humbled by God, right? And we live in a time where maybe each of us individually, and certainly society as a whole, feels that we have an answer for everything. Feels like we are for sure, we understand the world, we understand ourselves, we know what is right. And people will argue about what is right. But who, regardless of what is the person's opinion of what is right, everyone has their own opinion. Everyone is convinced that their opinion is the only one. Everyone is convinced that their way is the only way. And so people will fight and argue with each other. And we set ourselves up even against God. Similar to the people that tried to build the Tower of Babel who believed that they could reach heaven on their own and without the assistance of God. And so God confused their language to make them realize how weak and frail and small they really are. We are made of dust and we are weak and we need to acknowledge this and not to believe that because we are able to accomplish things, that because we are able to control nature, that because we are able to you know, harness the power of the world around us to to, to, to our own bidding, to our own desire, that this means that somehow we are powerful. We are not powerful. In the end, we are all very, very weak. We are here only for a short time, and then we disappear from this place, and we are no longer here. Job felt very small and humbled after this conversation with God. When we have this experience of God, right, then we come out of it being humble, realizing that God is the one in control, not me. God is the one who decides, not me. My job is to submit to him, not me to tell him what to do, but him to tell me what to do. So, and finally, we read in Romans chapter 12, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are transformed because we are always meditating on the Lord. We are transformed because our mind, instead of meditating on the things of the world, it is meditating on the things of God. And in this, we manifest God in our lives. In this, we see God with spiritual eyes. In this, we feel like God is giving us a different path of life, a different direction. And this is what repentance is. Repentance is a change of direction, that each and every day, we feel like I am making a change. Each and every day, I am turning more and more toward God. Each and every day, I feel like God is sanctifying me more and more. So when we look at these examples of transformation and these transforming moments, just like what God did with St. Peter, 
um, after his miraculous catch of fish. God wants us to, to change. He wants us to, to walk with him and to leave behind our old life and to accept and adopt a life with him. And glory be to God forever. Amen.